Despite being less well known than its St. Brelard's counterpart, Le Cot à la Chèvre is one of the most extraordinary archaeological sites in Jersey. A small cave near Grone where Neanderthals may have lived and hunted up to 250,000 years ago, it is one of the earliest inhabited spots in the Channel Islands. In this podcast, I, Charlie Flynn, speak to Dr. Josie Mills, an archaeologist who has been working on sites in Jersey since 2010, and who is currently in Jersey to catalogue all the finds from this incredible site. We discuss what was found at Lakot Alashev, what it was and what our ancestors may have used it for, and what the site can tell us about Jersey's prehistory. I mean, I don't know whether you want to tell me a little bit about kind of yourself. So I know, so how long have you been doing archaeology for and where did it all kind of start, I suppose? <laughs> um, actually, weirdly, it did kind of start with Jersey. Um, so me and my best friend were doing our undergraduate degree together um, and we get these opportunities to do field work. Um, and we have a sort of lecture where people present the kind of different opportunities and there's like Egypt, all this kind of stuff. But I was like, to my friend Tabby, I was like, jersey it's it's the one because it was this amazing neanderthal site that we were just i mean we were just actually itching to come Mm -hmm. it was um and so we were really because it was quite competitive actually because the opportunity was quite uh, popular Mm -hmm. um and so that's where it started really so that's that's le cot de saint brelard that's le cot de saint brelard yeah well so basically with the jersey excavations because i think le cot is quite a complicated site Mm -hmm. um in the excavating it requires quite a lot of technical ability um and for us, when you're running field schools with undergraduates and students, having something that's a little bit less high stakes, potentially. Mm. So, so we were at, up at Le Varine, um, and so that was an upper Paleolithic site. Um, and we dug there for, I mean, we must have come out about eight years Um, maybe eight years I'm not sure a lot of seasons Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's an absolutely amazing site Um, so kind of field season was supervised by uh, Dr Ed Blinkhorn and we just lots and lots of lovely lithics stone tools stone artifacts Um, and we kind of just fell in love with it from there Mm -hmm. to be honest Um, and I was lucky enough to write my undergraduate thesis about the artifacts from Lakota Le Chevre. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, I mean, that must have been, so it's, it's about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I don't know whether it might be good to kind of distinguish, because there's, so there's two sort of sites, two big yeah. sites that you have worked on in the, in the past, I suppose. So I don't know whether you kind of just explain what each site is and... Yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose like most people are really familiar with Lakota Umbrella because, like, you know, beautiful beach, like big rocky outcrop, um, and so that's kind of, I guess, the, probably the biggest Stone Age site on Jersey. Um, so, I think we're looking about two hundred fifty thousand years, and then quite a lot of different occupations by um, Neanderthals, by mm. Middle Paleolithic people. Um, and so that's a site that we've worked with Jersey Heritage and with the Societe looking at the collections for for a number of years. Um, and La Cota La Chevre is on the north coast up mm. near Gronay. So if you, you're kind of walking along the north coast, it's about 10 minutes from Gronay uh, car park, that is. Um, and it is a smaller site, but it's kind of been not overshadowed, but because the cot is such an amazing site with the mammoth mm-hmm. and like it's just it's, it's just wonderful um chevre has kind of been 
it was excavated um it was discovered in 1881 mm-hmm. um and it was kind of like one of the first um stone age sort of sites recognized on jersey which is really important i think to kind of catalyze the island's sort of prehistory and, and the kind of study we do now of the island's prehistory um and then it was excavated in 1911 mm-hmm. by the Société. Um, and then again in 1960 by Professor Charles McBurney, who also excavated at Lacotte de saint Brillard. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I would say we've sort of calculated that there are about 16,000 artefacts we're working wow. with currently. Um, but that is um, a estimate based on weight and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. once we finish this season of, of analysing the artefacts, we'll have a better idea about uh, the content. Um, La Cotte de la Chevre is um, the north coast. Obviously, anyone from Jersey knows it's quite different to the south coast, <laughs> even being that close together. Um, and you've got these kind of rocky, like, outcrops. Um, there's a really big Palio River, so an ancient river which runs to the north of the island, mm. which occupies it. It's called the Ruar Channel, so just between the Paternosters and the north coast. And we think that possibly the people that were using the site were kind of um, maybe hunting or, or doing some different activities based on the offshore landscape there. So it's, it's quite cool and it's quite interesting that it's quite different from St. Brellard. So there's like a maybe a complementary use of the caves. Uh, with, okay. Yeah. So I don't know, just for kind of people, I, I know absolutely nothing oh, about <laughs> ancient, about paleolithic archaeology. <laughs> so I don't know whether it might be good to sort of, um, you might be able to sort mm. of, this is quite a tall order. I do apologise. <laughs> kind of very like broadly sketch out sort of what the or what we think the kind of Paleolithic history of Jersey is, and and you know if if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. I mean, Jersey's really interesting because you have such a big tidal range here, and actually the island itself is like made up of igneous geology, and offshore there's a lot of sort of tertiary landscape. So. It's kind of a big rock in the sea, obviously, we know that. <laughs> um, but during the Ice Age and like when climate kind of fluctuated quite a bit, Jersey became part of a much bigger landmass. Mm-hmm. So often connected to the French coastline and off into the channel. So actually what we are seeing from a prehistoric perspective is a much bigger landscape than we see now. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our work is kind of understanding what Jersey looked like in different times during prehistory. Um, and basically, Lacotte de saint Brellard, I think the earliest date we have for that is 238,000 years. Mm-hmm. So obviously going back, you know, into sort of like the middle Paleolithic, the middle stage. So is that the earliest date that it was like inhabited? Is that So those are, that's the earliest like radiometric date. So it basically just means that that's what people have managed to calculate the age of the kind of sediment or the layer. Okay, right. Yeah, so, I mean, it could have been occupied earlier, but that's Mm. kind of the ballpark we've got from the site. Um, And we have some other material as well. So the lower Paleolithic and the middle Paleolithic, things like um, hand axes, um, sort of stone tools that worked on both sides are quite... um, a good indicator and um, so we've got there are a few other um sites on jersey where those have been in jersey where those have been found uh, but lacotte itself is probably the lacotte de saint brellard sorry <laughs> i say um is probably it, it's definitely the the biggest sort of um prehistoric signature on jersey mm-hmm. i would say um, and there's so much from the site. I mean, there's amazing mammoth, um, the, mm. the mammoth, the bone heaps, all that sort of thing from there. So it's definitely a time period when there are a lot of, um, I guess we would say Neanderthals or middle Pleistocene hominins uh, 
were in France and obviously had access to Jersey when mm-hmm. the sea level was lower. So obviously it's kind of part of a much wider landscape and I think Jersey was a really important part of that sort of prehistoric view of Neanderthals at that time. So it's it's an amazing an amazing site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so, I mean, um, I read somewhere that it was it, um, this can, this can be completely spurious. I think I read it on, on, on an article <laughs> from like ten years ago or something that said it was um, one of the kind of they think it's it was saying it was sort of one of the last places that Neanderthals lived. Yeah, I think that could be. I mean, it's very hard for us to know because we do need to sort of get some sort of dating and that kind of thing. But definitely, as I guess we call it, like refugia in archaeology which is kind of like um sort of like the last warm nice place to live right okay (laughs) so so portugal has a lot of sites like that where it's kind of like a last bastion of people that are kind of living in these climatic conditions um i would say with jersey and with lacotte de sabrellard and with the cotta la chevre it's very much climate based when people Mm -hmm. were here because um, obviously it was very hard to get here mm-hmm. when the sea level was too high. Right. So it's kind of like, if you imagine, it's sort of a bit like an oscillation, like um, during cold periods, um, you have a lot more landscape because a lot of the sea ice is kind of tied up in the polar ca- ice caps. Mm-hmm. And then when it's warmer, that water is released. And that's kind of what controls the landmass, basically. Mm-hmm. So with Lacotte de Saint-Brellard, we see, and Lacotte de la Chevre, we see different occupations based on kind of, well, some of my colleagues wrote a paper called like the Goldilocks concept, right? Because okay. it's like it's just it's just right, basically. Okay. <laughs> um, so when it's when it's warm enough and you have the landscape, people were here, mm. um, and when it was too cold, people weren't here. Um, so yeah, it's definitely we see different layers at the site. So obviously, probably different populations were here throughout. I mean, it's hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's really cool. I mean. Um, I don't know, just sticking with, like, the Cotte de Saint-Brellard for, for a minute. I mean, I, I don't know whether you might be able to explain sort of, like, what, what you know, people think it was, like, kind of used for and, and you know, what it is, I suppose. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, so it's it's a huge site. And so it's basically, it was a sort of T-shaped ravine system down mm-hmm. at Saint-Brellard. And we have, like, lots of evidence of... Um, you know, people, stone artefacts, fires, fauna, lots of mammoth, woolly rhino, that kind of thing. So it really does seem to be quite a specific um, occupation sequence, basically. Um, And we have looked at some different kind of theories about kind of what people were doing at the site. For example, um, the mammoth is really, really incredible. (laughs) I don't know if you've seen any of it, but um, I think maybe corralling the mammoth up through the valley. We've done some um, offshore survey, the topography of the landscape underneath St. Brellard's Bay. There's some amazing granite runnels, which Mm -hmm. kind of look like that would have been a really good way of hunting fauna. Um, and just generally a, a place of sort of warmth and safety, really, mm-hmm. um, and quite obvious in the landscape. So it's it's quite a special site because it looks like it has been part of many different populations' histories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the stone tools there show that people are processing animals, um, people were hunting, and, and yeah, just, just generally living. There's actually quite a phenomenal amount of material that's come from the cut. Yeah. We... Um, we were part of a project called the McBurney Archive Reorganisation Project and we reorganised 
I think about 96,000 artefacts oh. <laughs> from the site. Um, I think that was over a course of like four or five years, maybe. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. So if we, so, so that's obviously the big sort of famous one. Yeah. And so at the moment, you're over in Jersey sort of working on the slightly less known yeah. one, which is um, the Cotton Chef. So I don't know, again, you said it was kind of like a, it's a bit different. I don't know whether you could explain sort of what it... Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess fundamentally, Chevre is nine metres by three metres. Right. When you think of Cifrellas, <laughs> you're like... <laughs> um, so it's, it's a lot smaller. Um, and it has a very different outlook and landscape. And from my perspective as someone that's researched a lot about the environment, I think it would have offered quite um, complementary but different resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so the north coast with the big freshwater rivers coming in down from um, from the French coastline and also very craggy outcropping, um, maybe different kind of hunting opportunities, that kind of thing. And we also have potentially what would be quite interesting is that the sea and the freshwater would create an estuarine environment, okay. which is quite important for different plant life and uh, different animal species so from my perspective the way I'd interpret it was that we think that people would be occupying the sites at the same time okay um and what you would probably then have is kind of like a satellite site so you would Mm. increase your foraging and hunting range by having another safe place kind of uh you know side of your your main site yeah I guess um, we can't know for, for sure. Sure, but... But, yeah, I think that that would be... Um, we also see, like, a lot of different um, raw materials. So mm-hmm. Neanderthals were using flint to make the artefacts. And Jersey doesn't actually have any flint in, oh, right. indigenous to the island because it's granitic mm-hmm. um, with kind of, like, lurse, which is, like, wind-blown sand in the middle of the island. So the nearest flint sources are between... Jersey and Guernsey. Mm-hmm. So we kind of know that people would have been moving across this landscape to access the flint that they oh, used right, to make okay. the tools. Yeah, so it's um it gives us a really sort of a better picture of how people were moving across the the sort of uh, the area that would have been um well, I guess it's submerged now, but right, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So we've got some re- some really lovely artifacts from Chevre. There's one hand axe, um, which I believe is at the Hoog Bay currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, lots of so hand axe is like I don't know, just to kind of visualize it, it's like a little sort of stone, yeah. Thing. So, I guess it's yeah, it's hard to sort of have like gesticulating, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so a hand axe we define as something that has been kind of made from stone but is worked on both sides or okay. has been we would say napped but basically has been kind of hit on both sides to create um two different surfaces. And they are, there's all sorts of theories about what they were used for, but obviously I think butchery, that kind of thing. Okay, sure. Um, And some people kind of like um, reference them as like a Swiss army knife sort of style thing. Oh, they're just used for all sorts. Yeah, so you can, if you wanted to, if you were out and about and you had one with you, if you wanted a sharp edge, you could hit it with another rock and get a new sharp edge on the side, which would mean that you could, I guess, if you'd found a particularly nice thing to butcher or something, you could <laughs> um, you could adapt with it. Um, so, yeah, I definitely, I'm going to be posting some pictures um, of some of the, the hand axes. Um, but, yeah, they, they're basically just, like, a really useful tool. Okay, cool. And, and have you found any other kind of interesting bits and bobs in, in there? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the hard things is that we don't have a lot of fauna from, right. we don't have a lot of animal remains from Chevre because mm-hmm. the soil is quite acidic. 
So generally when you find things um, in acidic soil, it will degrade bone. So mm. we have um, records of a deer mandible, sort of a deer chin, um, but m- not really anything past that. There's there's some query mammoth there, which we're going to hopefully get someone to have a little look at. Oh, right, okay. Um, <laughs> a, que- a query mammoth? Is it like maybe a mammoth? Well, it's, uh, so it's, it's um, teeth. It's teeth. Okay. Yeah, so, um, and I'm not an expert, so I'd want someone else to have a little look at that first before I said anything like <laughs> right, okay. definitive. Sure, sure. Um, but I mean, that would be really interesting. I know we've got there's some other um, material from caves on the north coast. I think it's Bell Hoog. There's some dwarf deer, which is really oh, cool. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so um, it's like a deer that lived on the island during high sea level and they actually get smaller because there's not as much space. So oh, okay. It's actually like a specific type of Jersey deer. It's really oh, cool. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they kind of shrunk in size. Yeah. As the, yeah. Oh, that's really, that's really <laughs> yeah, interesting. It's, it's called like islandization. It's like when your resources are like limited, mm-hmm. they evolve to be smaller so that they could oh. get as much out of the ecosystem as possible. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> it's a really weird fact. <laughs> no, that's a great fact. That's a really, really cool fact. Um, oh, that's awesome. So what are you actually doing now so did you when so when did you first work on on the site was did you come over um yes we came in 2010 was the first year but that was when we were at Le Varine okay Um, so I first worked on Lakota Le Chevre for my dissertation in 2013 right um and then Jersey Heritage um very kindly invited me back to have a look at the archive I think that was 2014 Mm -hmm. um and it's amazing like it's been so carefully curated I mean Olga and everyone at Jersey Heritage has done such a such an amazing job of preserving it but we just noticed that there were some things um you know what we want to do is kind of put things in new like bags look after things give things different numbers so people can see them in the system and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so it's basically going through the archive which a lot of it was excavated in 1911 and 1912 Mm -hmm. and those finds kind of a lot of those are very very pretty actually so it's, it's, I shouldn't say that as an archaeologist but there's because there's we don't favor different artists sure, sure. but um, a lot of those are very beautiful sort of um, artifacts that you'd recognize if you were just sort of just looking mm. um, so what kind of thing like it's kind of um, so there's this technique called Lavalois, which is basically um, it's kind of where you would look at the sort of basic rock that you've got to make a tool out of mm-hmm. and make a plan before you make the tool. Oh, okay. So it's kind of used to suggest that people were looking um, kind of forethought and planning. So it's quite important as like, and it's very indicative of sort of, I, I don't know, yeah, a planned process, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so they have Lavalois flakes and Lavalois points, which they're, they're kind of triangular. Um, and those are very... You see those and you're like, okay, middle pal, like middle Pleistocene, like we, we know what where we are with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's really nice. Um, but we've actually we've made really good progress. We've gone through a lot of that material today and yesterday. And then now we're kind of looking at the things from the 1960s. Mm-hmm. So that would be the material that Professor Charles McBurney excavated. So you've got a lot of flint flakes, a lot of things that might have been used for butchery or, I don't know, there's all sorts of different activities. But what what, what our goal is, is to make sure the collection can be studied by other people. Right, okay. Um, so obviously we've got our own knowledge of it because we've worked on it for a long time. But equally, I think 
it would be really important for, for people to study it you know internationally and mm-hmm. um, I can imagine actually when you think about the amount of Neanderthal archaeology in the UK on the south coast Chevre is huge compared mm. to that and it's it's such a it's such an important site so I think what we are trying to do is make sure that the collection is you know if someone was saying I want to do some research on this they could come and look at it and, mm-hmm. and understand where everything is and what everything is and then you know potentially sort of increase sort of the research potential right okay so you're that's what you're doing at the moment you're yeah. kind of going through and sort of yes yeah, yeah. okay yeah. cool I mean just you said that's quite interesting which is that like that this is quite a big site relative I mean I, I don't know yeah maybe whether you could go into a bit more detail on how this kind of compares to other archaeological sites yeah definitely I think one of the things that's really interesting about sort of researching Jersey and thinking about its climatic history and, and the different shapes and ways the island has been over mm. the through the ice age is that actually you have a lot of connections with, with the French archaeological record so looking at sites um, uh, you've got a couple of different sites on the French coastline which would really happily fit into this kind of picture of mm-hmm. um, this sort of stone age landscape where people are just moving completely across using different resources um, I think the flint is really important because that was kind of the thing that everybody used to make all their all their artifacts all their different items and I can imagine that that Chevron and Sabrellard fit well within that kind of middle paleolithic Neanderthal landscape of mm-hmm. the channel as kind of just a big plane basically oh, okay yeah so it's um I would say the the quantity of finds at Chevron makes it a very very important signature to record and for people to understand mm-hmm. Um, but I think we've, it's always very difficult when things are, we have this everywhere in archaeology, when things are dug, Victorian kind of excavations, there's, there's an element of sort of things we might do differently now right, that weren't okay. done then, you know. <laughs> so th- there's a bit of detective work. With well, quite a lot of these things done by amateurs. Is that is that a thing? I've I, I read that a few places <laughs> where kind of just groups of yeah. chaps would go out and... <laughs> Well, yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we were really lucky. Actually, Jersey, I mean, Jersey has an amazing, amazing archaeological record. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was Joseph Sinel discovered the uh, Chevre with, I think he was with a friend, Samuel Dancaster. And he was actually then the archaeological secretary for the Societe. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's kind of, the custodians have been very high-quality custodians. Right, okay, sure. (laughs) Um, But Chevre is quite difficult because, I mean, I don't know, people may have gone there. I would suggest that you are careful if you do go. Um, We aren't digging there. Right, okay. um, Because I think there's... You know, there's all sorts of questions about whether that would be useful or not. So I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say. I would say the headland is beautiful, and if you want to go and look at the site from that perspective, um, but it's a, so the cave was carved out by a really high sea level, right? And the sort of base of the cave has really big granite boulders throughout the whole of the sequence, and I think that's made it really actually quite difficult to excavate. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the excavation, whereas at for example, like Levarine is, is kind of just a flat field, very nice, you know. Mm. <laughs> so we can just go down in our spits as we excavate it. Um, but I think Chevre was quite a tricky one to excavate when it was done. So a lot of the work that we're also doing is kind of trying to repatriate and reorganise the artefacts within the original excavation sequence. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, so that we can maybe understand change through time, um, that kind of thing. 
so I think Chevre, it has it's had a complicated excavation history, but equally I think it's, it's a beautiful archive and mm-hmm. I definitely, I'm going to be doing a talk on the 4th of May, I think, at the Francis Cook Galleries oh, great. Uh, about the project. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if anyone was interested, that they could attend that. Um, but yeah, also, yeah, keeping up with it on social media and stuff. Yeah, so, so at your talk, are you going to kind of go through sort of, are you going to have like, pictures of, of the artefacts and things? And Yeah, yeah, so I'm thinking of doing um, some handling as well, so oh, keep, cool. keep some things out. Um, yeah, um, and yeah, just kind of present the site itself. We, we, we're just about to publish um, a paper um, in, in a monograph, which I can sort of share with people about mm-hmm. the site. So I think... It would be. It's really. It's a really good time, sort of, to come together and like see everything and, and be doing this. And it's amazing being back here because it has mm-hmm. been. It's been weird not being here for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> no, sure. So I mean, I, you mentioned like right at the beginning that that you were given all these options to 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 go to various places and do <laughs> things, but you chose Jersey. Is that just because? I mean, is it because like the sort of. Um, is it, is it is it because it's got kind of quite an abundance of stuff that you're interested in? Is that yeah, I think, I mean, this sounds really silly, but I really like rocks and there's a lot of rocks. <laughs> yeah, it was, I think um, we worked with um, uh, Dr. Matt Pope, who supervised my master's and my PhD and my undergraduate dissertation. Um, and he'd been working out here and we kind of had done a bit of research about the project and what was happening. And it just seemed like such an amazing opportunity to, to sort of do some real sort of Stone Age archaeology. Um, and I don't know, we sort of just got the bug, really. <laughs> it was the first year we were here, it rained every day for three weeks. Oh. I don't know, <laughs> it was like June. <laughs> I don't know why well, we came back, but it's um, it sort of influenced a lot of different people. I know a lot of their careers have been really enhanced by working on things on Jersey because it's just um, it's such a supportive environment as mm-hmm. well, I think, with Jersey Heritage, with the Societe. We're talking to everybody, really. It's uh, your heritage just it's just a really I feel like everybody really enjoys it Mm -hmm. and and I just I'm sort of drawn to that as well yeah oh that's really good to hear (laughs) but kind of you know um but yeah I mean I think um is it so so the both sites are kind of there they're sort of you're not there's no work going on now they're kind of just they're just open to to view to the public um yeah I would say so we're not excavating currently um so you can definitely I mean I would say sort of viewing them from from the beach is good with some brillards i mm-hmm. think you know there's potential for work to sort of be be going on in the future i think mm-hmm. um but yeah we're not not excavating i think um those sites currently mm-hmm. is um i mean yeah i mean do you think there's going to be any kind of further developments with either of them um kind of going forward uh, i think it would be really interesting i think with chevre there's there are questions about sort of I think the priority is to look at the collection we've got now. Right, okay. Um, so I, I think that is what, what we're doing for the future with that. I think Sembrellards is much bigger project, definitely. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be there'll be things happening there in the future. Thank you to Dr. Josie Mills for taking the time to talk about her work on Lakota Lachev. If you enjoyed this episode, Josie will be giving a free talk at the Sir Francis Cook Gallery on the 4th of May at 5.30. Don't forget to visit bailiwickexpress.com or pick up a copy of your local Jersey Evening Post.